Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Welcome to the third episode in our London Marathon Milestone series. Today, we're going to be talking about how you can overcome mental and physical hurdles during your training, which will also help you when it comes to race day. And we're also going to be talking about focusing on food quantities and timing for training. Welcome to our Marathon Milestone series, dedicated to supporting everyone training for the 2022 London Marathon with food and nutrition tips. The series of five episodes is for both first-time marathon runners as well as seasoned marathon veterans. So whether this is your first marathon or your 10th, we aim to support you in being marathon ready over the next 16 weeks with strategically timed nutrition tips and advice at every stage of your training plan. We really want you to be fit and fueled for race day. Karen and I will share tips and suggestions to give you big results in your running performance. In each episode, we will build on the previous episodes so by the time it gets to the event day, you'll feel race ready. And although we're tracking this landmark event, we're sure that you'll find the information interesting and helpful for whichever autumn marathon you're training for this year. So please share this episode with your running friends so that they can benefit from all the nutritional insights given in this milestone series. Really hope that you find your advice helpful and we'd love to know how you're progressing during your training. So reach out to us at hello at runnershealthhub.com and let us know how you're getting on. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact us at Runners Health Hub. Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen once again. Uh, Today we've got our third series in our five London Marathon Milestone episodes, which we hope you're enjoying so far. And it's just over nine weeks now until race day, so not long to go. Um, We hope that by now um, your longest run will be around about the 14 mile mark, possibly longer, so more than halfway. And uh, for some of you, this might be the furthest you've run, um, and especially if you've if you've never trained beyond half a marathon uh, distance in the past. But it is an exciting time. Uh, it can also be a difficult time for people, both um, physically and mentally. Uh, but we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. So first of all, I'm just going to give you a brief summary of of what we've talked about in the previous episodes, just as a recap. So way back at the first episode, which we did back at the beginning of June, in fact, I think it was the 2nd of June to be exact, uh, we focused on the principles of everyday nutrition and how they're really the bedrock of uh, performance nutrition. And then in the second episode, which was released um, on the 30th of June, 
we built on those foundations and, and we did that by introducing the concept of eating pre, during and post your longer runs. And, um, and we also highlighted on the pitfalls, the potential pitfalls of not fueling correctly. And you might remember we talked about runga and um, I was wondering if anybody can now relate to the symptoms and the, the concept of runga and maybe you've experienced some of those symptoms without realizing uh, that your training and fueling routine may have been the trigger and we, we'd love to know if um, you've had any experience with that and uh, if there's any questions you've got around that so um, that's a recap on what we've done so far um, so Karen uh, what have you got in store for us today? Well, hi, Aileen, and hi, everybody. Um, like you mentioned, Aileen, last time we introduced the concept of eating pre, during and post training. So today what we're going to do is build on that through focusing on food quantities and timing for training. Um, and you also mentioned there that it's an exciting time in training for everyone, but that it can also be a difficult time for some people, both physically and mentally. So what we'll do is then move on to discuss strategies to overcome potential physical hurdles to training and race day success. And then we'll progress on to um, look at strategies to overcome potential psychological hurdles um, to training and race day success. You know, things that might just be getting in the way of you enjoying your training, really. So lots to talk about and lots to discuss. Yeah, well, great. That's that's going to be great, Karen. I think that's going to be really helpful um, episode. Um, so let's get started. Um, so, Karen, what would you say are the key principles that our marathon listeners should be considering about food quantity and timing over the next few weeks? Uh, bearing in mind, but by the time we speak uh, next, uh, most runners are going to be up to about eighteen to twenty-one miles on their long runs. Yeah, absolutely. So getting up to some really high miles by the time we next speak. So really, as you progress with your training miles, the amount of food you eat and the timing of food intake does start to become very important. Now, we do have several episodes that we've done in the past dedicated to this subject, including um, way back way back, um, episode eight, where we looked at nutrient timing for, for performance. Then episode 54, eating enough to run. Episode 71, your marathon, run, fuel, recover. And then more recently in episode 93, fueling marathon running. So, you know, there are lots of information out there. So you might want to go back and just review some of these episodes. But for today, I thought we could maybe think about carbohydrate intake because, you know, after all, it is a limiting factor in exercise performance alongside hydration. And also it is the macronutrient that changes most significantly in that its intake increases substantially as your miles increase. So, so let's think about how much to eat and then when. So that timing before you step out the door on your long run. Now, most people do tend to get up and out in the morning, although I have to say that isn't the case for everyone. But if we take the morning as an example here, if you tend to sort of get out of bed, get dressed, grab a quick snack and just go for your long run, I would say now is the time to really adapt this regime because you do need to be taking 
maybe a bit more care around how much food you eat and the timing of it before you start running. Now, the recognised guidelines um, really suggest having a meal approximately one to four hours before an endurance run or before a a race, a, a long race as well, so your marathon race. And the meal should contain between one to four grams per kilograms of body weight of carbohydrates. Now, I I do think this is okay in theory. However, in practice, it just might not be possible or practical for some people. But what I do think is important, though, is that... um, that you do eat a substantial meal or snack at least an hour before you step out the door. And the principal reasons for this um, are that you can eat really a decent amount of carbs um, to replenish any lost stored energy from fasting overnight. That's really important before you step out. And also it gives the food time to digest a little bit before you start running. So giving yourself at least an hour um, between eating and running. Um, At this point in time, because it's, it's a bit, it's, it's, more than an hour before the run, you can eat slow release carbs at this time, therefore diminishing the chances of any potential sugar rush symptoms or transient hypoglycemia occurring. Um, and you you could also consume some protein at this point, which will help support that uh, muscle function and muscle repair afterwards. So those are the key reasons why it starts to become really important to introduce food and why you would want to introduce it at least an hour before you step out the door. Yeah, good advice, Karen. But I have to say, if I was expected to follow the guidelines on how much to eat, before a run I just don't think I'd be able to do it particularly because I'm carb sensitive and it would just be too much um and I like the idea that you you mentioned about you know potentially consuming some protein because that's what I tend to do um have some easy to digest protein alongside my carbohydrates because that just helps me keep in balance and I don't get those jittery feelings that you were talking about with the transient hyperglycemia um so I I think um you know I've got a few suggestions that people might want to consider um so one of the things is to start low and build up to an amount that works for you um I must apologize I've got a little bit of a frog in my throat today so I'm trying not to cough so if I sound a bit strange that's why um but yeah, start off slow, uh, low rather, and uh, build up to an amount that works for you. And um, often I think a favorite for runners is oats as a pre-run food. So let's uh, let's use them as an example. So if you were to have 100 grams of oats, that would um, give you 66 grams of carbohydrate, which is a decent, a very decent amount of carbohydrate. I mean, it's probably more than double what you would have for a normal breakfast, I would say. Mm. Uh, so I think you should start with maybe half that amount and have it as porridge or overnight oats um, and eat it at least, um, you know, get up at least an hour before you run so that you've got plenty of time for that Um carbohydrate to start uh, digesting and the reason that um, overnight oats might be 
a good solution is that it's the quickest to, to prepare. You can prepare it the night before, stick it in the fridge, and then it's easiest to digest. If you prefer to have warm porridge, you could still soak the, the oats in, in the milk or, or in some water before you cook them. Um, and then you could add some nut butter because that's going to help slow down the digestion and absorption process. And although the oats contain some fiber, that also will help slow down the process. Um, and then just be mindful of how you feel as you set out running. You know, are you do you feel that you've given yourself enough time to digest the food? Um, are you feeling ready to go? Um, and then each time you go out for a long run, you know, you're probably going to be scheduling a long run once once a week, probably, maybe twice. Um, just try to increase that amount of oats, maybe by 10 grams, which isn't an awful lot. But then over a few weeks, you're going to get up to the amount of carbohydrate that um, the recommendations um, tell you to, to eat. Um, and every time you you increase it, just again observe any symptoms. So it, potentially it's going to be digestive symptoms or sugar control symptoms. And, and also think about how you feel during your run and is the carbohydrate sustaining you? Is your energy levels good? Um, are you performing as well as you would like to? And then you've probably got more of an incentive to um, keep, keep going with the carbohydrates. And I think everyone knows when they've reached their threshold of tolerance and once once you get to that point um, that would be the amount of carbohydrate to stick to so that would be my advice on how to start increasing your carbohydrates before you go out for a run yeah I really like that approach alien because it really respects the guidelines but it kind of adopts them to suit the individual so re some really good tips there and I think other foods that you could potentially trial with here include maybe a smoothie so for example maybe having milk and oats with some honey nut butter and um and then you could um, grind some seeds, so example, flax seed and chia seed and add them as well. So so really it's it's similar to what you were saying, Aileen, but whizzed up as a as a as a smoothie rather than having it as a porridge or an overnight oats. And you could add some berries to that if you um prefer something more savory, because that can be a smoothie and um can be quite or taste quite sweet, then maybe sort of um, having spinach or avocado in the smoothie would be more beneficial for you, depending on your taste. Now, this smoothie is nutrient dense. It can be made the night before. It's also easy on the digestive system, but has that balance of carbs and proteins and also healthy fats that can help to slow down the digestive process. So that's another um, potential idea of of a food that you could have before you go out for um, a long run. Now, some people don't have any issues with digestion. Therefore, in that case, you could introduce a breakfast of, say, maybe one to two slices of wholemeal toast with one to two eggs scrambled or poached or or boiled, whichever is your preference, um, or maybe two to three slices of smoked salmon if you if you eat fish, and um, and some um, smashed avocado could be another option. So 
I think you would just need a bit more time for this one in the preparation. The others are really simple, can be made up in advance, but you would want to sort of make the, the, the eggs and things in the moment. So just remember, you'd have to get up a little bit, um, a bit earlier. Um, so, and like Aileen was saying, just remember to start slowly and build up. And that's really to try and help avoid any digestive issues as you begin to run so for example it could be the um, transient hypoglycemia or it could be something like a stitch or cramping and you don't want that as you as you step out the door to go for your long run yeah well some really good ideas I like the idea of the smoothie Karen and I think also you know you could think about trialing these different meals um you know as you're going through your training and see which which one works for you so they all, they all sound really good yeah you a bit of variety as well doesn't it exactly mm. so that's uh, that's great thank you karen hopefully that's given everyone some great uh, pre-run food ideas as well as an idea of how much and, and when to eat um so now let's uh, take a look at what to eat during your long run so the official recommendations suggest consuming quick release carbohydrate rich foods every 45 to 60 minutes in any run over 90 minutes and the suggested amount um, is to have between 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrate per serving um, so it's the same principle, really, that we suggest. It's, you know, practice during your training, uh, starting low and building up. So if you're not used to fueling during running, don't go in at 60 grams, you know, start at a smaller amount. You might even want to start at 10 grams and, and build it up over a period of time. And then hopefully when you've been practicing eating during your runs, um, your digestive system is going to be getting used to receiving food at this time. Um, so we we did talk about practice, I think, the last time, didn't we, Karen? Mm, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. So so the um, one of the easy foods that you could introduce is medjool dates. And um, the reason that we I, – I just love a medjool date, I have to say. <laughs> spend a fortune on them um the reason that we like them is that one date contains 18 grams of carbohydrate and they are very easy to carry and they're very soft and chewy um sometimes we get asked questions well, why does it have to be medjool day and it's because the, the they're very soft and chewy so they're, they're easy to they almost melt in your mouth really you don't have to chew them too much whereas the other dates are a bit more fibrous and they would take longer for you to extract the carbohydrate out of them um so they're, they're easy to carry too i know they're a bit sticky but what i tend to do is wrap them in either a small paper cupcase or in a piece of parchment paper the cupcases work really easily for me because then i don't have to cut the pieces of paper up and yes. I wrap up the date and then i just have a i tend to do a box all at once and then i, I can just take however many out i need for my run um and remember, if you if you introduce two medjool dates per hour, that means you're getting more than the minimum recommended carbohydrate. So that's um, that's my suggestion. Um, I also, um, what I tend to do is I'll eat one every thirty minutes. I, I just find that I tolerate that a bit better, but that's just my personal preference. Um, and remember, it doesn't just have to be dates. Uh, you could choose other dried fruits like raisins or dried mango. Um, I know you quite like eating a flapjack carrot um, or if you prefer to 
drink your energy. You might want to think about uh, using one of the uh, Ella's kitchen pouches. So they they tend to be pureed fruit. Um, so we like mango, and I think there's a banana one as well. Um, and remember, um, you know, they're very easy to consume. But because they're, they're really designed for toddlers, they only contain about 10 to 11 grams of carbohydrate per pouch. So you would need to have three per hour. So that's quite a lot to carry if you were going to take it out. Mm-hmm. You might want to combine, uh, you might want to have one pouch in a day, for instance, and have a mixture of different things, which might be quite enjoyable I think yeah exactly like you said earlier it's a bit of variety isn't it and mm-hmm. you know it is really about trial and error and and finding the right food and having it at the right time to to really suit your needs and your goals now some people prefer to eat their energy whilst others prefer to drink it like you were saying Aileen so it is really worth considering whether you would prefer a fluid or a gel or if maybe the dates and the raisins and the flapjacks are the way forward for you. So really trialing it, trialing all of them and finding out what you like. Now, this really is the time to determine what suits you best, because going forward, you really want to keep practicing with the same foods, the same fluids. So you feel confident with your nutrition strategy on race day. So you're going into the marathon knowing that you've got your food sorted. You don't have to worry about any digestive issues, any cramping, anything like that. So that's the the reason why it's important to practice, practice, practice now. Now, I had a a client recently who was um, really struggling with taking on carbs towards the end of a marathon event. And um, and that is really when you need them most. Now, she was using gels and by 30 kilometres, they were really making her feel nauseous. Now, she doesn't like to consume food during a run because it affects her breathing, you know, because if you're taking on food, it does change the breathing pattern and um, therefore it can change your pace. Now, I think this is something else to consider when you're making your decisions. For some people, if they're slower runners, it depends, again, what your reasons, the big why of, of, of doing the marathon. If it's just because you want to achieve it and you're going to be going slow and steady, you might be able to eat food. But if you're trying to get a PB, sort of that change in, in pace, that change in breathing might just be um, too much for you. So with this particular client, we had to really go back to the drawing board regarding her fueling. And some ideas that we came up with included um, having sweet products in the first half of the race, but then changing to more savoury products in the second half. And also thinking about consuming um, uh, an electrolyte drink. So she she really likes um, our homemade electrolyte drink because the citrus fruits help to diminish the sweetness of the honey. Um, I also managed to source some um, unflavoured energy gels and powders for her to trial from various different um, sports companies, including Mountain Fuel and Tailwind. So although they contain the quick-release carbs for fuel, they don't contain the sweet flavours. So, um, so 
I, I haven't got the feedback yet, so watch the space. I'll let you know. And also, you spoke about the Ella's Kitchen pouches, Aileen, and they also do a sweet potato pouch, which was a, another idea. And um, and also, another tactic that we looked at was introducing caffeine in the last quarter of the, the race to help support her energy and her pace. Now, this, these ideas might be something that you want to try. Um, what I would say is if, 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 if it is, it would be really important to start introducing it now. Um, because these different strategies, like we said earlier, aren't going to be suitable for everyone. Um, we do have an episode that's dedicated to, to caffeine intake. So, um, episode 69 is caffeine good for running. So really, I, I would recommend that maybe you listen to this first. If you you're thinking about um, potentially using caffeine shots for your performance. So, um, yeah, so just some ideas and challenges that came up from a, a, a distance runner um, client of mine recently. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I'm sure there's uh, lots of things people can take from there. And I, I like the idea of switching from sweet to savoury. Um, mm. I remember after we um, we did that episode on the caffeine, uh, Cara and I, I thought, oh, I might try caffeine shots. But actually, in the end, I decided I just preferred a cup of coffee <laughs> rather yes. than a caffeine shot. Um, but you can, you know, you can get caffeine shots that you could carry with you. But again, it's like with everything, uh, you really want to practice and you don't want to be doing it willy nilly. You've got to uh, practice and know that it, you're going to respond in the right way and it's not going to have a, a negative effect. Um, and I also, I'm sure, I've, I don't know whether I've ever told this story on the podcast or whether it's something that you and I have just talked about, but there was a, a really awful um, tragedy um, with a, a, an athlete, not a runner, I have to say, but a, um, an athlete who overdosed on a caffeine supplement and he took too much and mm-hmm. ended up losing his life because he hadn't followed the instructions correctly. Oh. So I think, you know, be cautious, be safe and, um, you know, practice safely if you're going to use use caffeine shots. I mean, I guess you would have to drink an awful lot of caffeine shots to. You would. I just it was just one of those shocking things that people to make mistakes on. so yeah, thought. absolutely. So if you're in, at all unsure, then just getting advice from us or from whoever you buy the products from on rec- on what they recommend you take. So, yeah, yeah. it's good. Yeah. good point to bring up there, Aileen. OK, so um, let's move on and have a quick look at post-run eating uh, before we start looking at the physical and psychological hurdles that people may have to overcome in their training um so i think the principal point to make here is that it's really important to eat something containing quick release carbohydrate within 30 minutes of finishing your run um so it could be something really simple like a banana a large spoonful of honey maybe a white bread sandwich with jam um or maybe some fresh mango or papaya um, or it could be dried fruit, like again, mango or papaya, something that's got a lot of um, a lot of sugar in. Um, and a key reason for eating at this point is that what you're doing is starting to replenish the glycogen stores straight away um, as soon as you've finished your run training, and um, and that's going to aid the recovery process, including muscle repair and building. And, and you would do that 
after a race too. So practicing it with your training, making it happen every time is really going to help you condition your body to, to receive that food. Yeah, and I think it is a time that a lot of people find difficulty eating, you know, it's sort of straight away after an endurance run. And and often this can be due to incorrect fueling during the run. So, again, it's really important to get your fueling right at all points, really, sort of that pre, the during and the post running. Now, after this initial 30 minute window following your your training, you can then start to introduce more slow release carbohydrates. So, for example, the brown rice, the brown bread, wholemeal pasta, all your legumes, um, alongside some protein at this point as well. And of course, you want to be having your vegetables. Um, and and really what you could do is think about that hard training athlete plate where half your plate contains the complex carbohydrates, so the slow-release carbohydrates. A third of the other half of the plate is protein, and then um, two-thirds is going to be the vegetables. Now, you, you would want to eat this type of meal approximately two hours after your long run, then um then continue that for up to six hours and then um, have you have a, a main meal sort of later in the day. Um, but again, keeping those same proportions of whether it's a snack or whether it's a meal, having those uh, same proportions throughout the day. So that's just some some ideas for um, timing after and how, and how much to have after um, you've finished running. Okay, that's again good good advice so hopefully that we're, we're getting in everybody's brains now at uh, the steps that you've got to take um we really hope this has helped give uh, some direction on how to move forward with food plans for the long runs coming in, in the coming weeks uh, particularly as your mileage starts to increase quite significantly um so that's uh focus on food um, so now let's consider some potential psychological hurdles that you may have to overcome or maybe you're actually dealing with some of them already and um, the hurdles uh, that I'm thinking of are um, thinking about your food choices and intake but hopefully we've already helped you with this hurdle and you've got the advice and you can put things into practice and in and, and your training now. Um, other um, challenges or, or hurdles that you might be coping with are um, illnesses. It could be that you're suffering from um, summer colds or COVID. It could be post-COVID or chest conf- infections are quite common in, in distance runners. Um, there are a lot of colds and viruses around at the moment. So, um, you know, it could be that these kind of things are causing problems. Um, injuries, um, you know, typically when we start put, putting more miles in, you, you're generally going to be at more risk of, of injury. So things like pulled muscles, tendinopathy, shin splints, muscle cramps. Um, and also maybe fatigue and tiredness, you know, the type of fatigue could be exercise induced. Maybe it's um, stress related to uh, work or home life. It could be poor sleep. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things that could be hurdles in the way of you doing your training, enjoying your training, focusing on your goals. 
Yeah, I think those are really key physiological hurdles that a lot of people may have to overcome uh, maybe now or in the weeks um, leading up to the event. But Aileen, just before we carry on speaking about the physiological um, hurdles that people might uh, face, I just wanted to add one final point about food intake, and that is if you're considering consuming any of the products provided by the organisers of the London Marathon, then I would really suggest that you contact them now to see what will be available and then purchase them to practice with in your training. Because again, you don't want to be eating something new on race day as that could lead to um, digestive issues. Now, I know that LucasAid Sport is one of the main sponsors of the London Marathon. So it could be that it's their products that are available. Now, you know, I would say here that these products do tend to contain preservatives and artificial sweeteners. So, so they're not products that we would particularly recommend. So, um, so just be mindful of that. Think about what your, stra- your, your, your race day strategy is and, um, find out what, what food is going to be available. Are you happy with the ingredients of them? If not, then again, uh, uh, definitely a time to be, to be, um, or if you're thinking about using them, purchasing them and uh, practicing in training. So, sorry, Alien, I just changed the subject a bit there, but it just came into my mind. And I no, it's to- a really, it's a really good point um, now because sometimes we're tempted to do things during a race that we haven't tried out, and it can scupper us really. So, yeah, good point. Thank you. Um, okay, so now let's talk about the other potential physiological hurdles you may face so like I said it could be in injury illness um, or fatigue and, and I think they're all probably a bit interrelated and and probably require a similar approach to recovery so for example illness leads to fatigue and if that's not addressed then injury during running may occur um, so let's think about what our advice would be for overcoming these hurdles so um there's a little mantra that we use. So reduce, remove, support, return, increase. Um, so would you explain, Karen, what, what we mean by that? Yeah, so so just taking them um, one at a time. So So thinking about reduce first. So really here, what you want to be doing is aiming to reduce your training load for a period of time. Now that this might be adequate if it is um, a minor situation and by reducing your training immediately it might actually help prevent you having to take time out of training later on and prevent you having to take longer time out. But what I would say is if you're feeling really poorly or you're Um, condition deteriorates then remove would come into play so remove your training remove yourself from your training for a period of time you know take this time to address the cause don't push through and I think it's easy to do that Um, but 
Um, if, if you push through, you might find that recovery then takes longer and or your condition deteriorates further, leading to longer time away from training, like I was saying. So and then support, support your recovery through rest, sleep, nutrition, rehab. Now, the rehab could be in the form of physio, massage, yoga, Pilates. There are lots of different um, forms of rehabilitation for whatever the situation is. And possibly a nutritional supplementation as well would be important here. Now, nutrition would include supporting your immune system. And we do dedicate an episode to this subject. So episode 14, endurance running and immune system. And that's really about um, including anti-inflammatory foods into your diet regularly. So foods such as walnuts, oily fish, flaxseed and chia for their omega-3 fatty acids, but also spices, including turmeric, ginger and cinnamon, because again, they have anti-inflammatory properties and then lots of um, variety of vegetable for their antioxidant content. So so that's all about supporting and then return. So um, so thinking about returning to your training again. But when you return to your training, beginning at a lower level than before and then build up over um, a week or two weeks, however long it takes. Now, what I would say here is just be mindful of any signs or symptoms that could suggest that the issue may still be there or may be returning. And if it is, then stop again and go back to the support phase and um, and, and ensure that you're getting the rest, you're getting the sleep and the rehabilitation. Then progress with your training and then and only then begin to think about increasing your training load, but increasing it steadily until you've returned to full training. But really continue with all of the approaches to support you that um that that you've put in place to help reduce the risk of the issue returning so all of these supportive elements make sure that you maintain them as you return and as you increase your training so hopefully that little that little mantra of reduce remove support return increase not an easy one to um to say but hopefully if you just think about that then you can move from the different phases um depending on on what the situation is and where you are in recovery. So, um, so, so just thinking about that, if I would say if you experience any physiological hurdles, and that could be the illness or injury or fatigue, like Aileen um, mentioned earlier, then just think about following those five steps approach to recovery. So Aileen, um, I think at that point, before we move on to discuss the psychological hurdles that um, runners might have to overcome as they prepare for that London marathon, shall we just take a, a, a short advert break? And I'll hand back to you. Yes, of course, Karen. So this is the moment in the episode where Karen and I take a minute to talk to you about what we do outside of the podcast. Uh, we do hope that you're getting lots of value from this London marathon milestone series. And, and if you are, uh, we just have a little ask, would you mind sharing it with your other running friends? Uh, because we'd like to reach more runners. Um, so if you could maybe let them know about the the, the Milestone series uh, episodes and uh, maybe they could listen in too. Um, but we know also that um, 
although you know we're sharing lots of information during this series, it can be helpful to have access to, to some additional information and materials um, that might be able to support your training and running performance. Um, you know, over and above listening to the podcast. So from our own experience and the knowledge we've gained through our nutritional studies, we've produced our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program, uh, which supports runners of all abilities. Um, it's a, a short and sweet video program, so it's easy to complete. You can do it in 30 minutes a day over two weeks. Originally, it was planned as a 14-day program, uh, but you can take as long as you need to. Um, you can spread it over a longer period. And there's lots of supporting materials and downloads, as well as some personal support from us in our Zoom coaching circle. So that means you can listen to the videos, you can do your training, uh, and if you you've got a question or you've got a, you need a tip or some advice on putting things into practice, uh, you can join us on our Zoom coaching circle and, and we're there um, every Thursday at two different points during the day. So if you're interested in joining the program, you can find all the details at our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. Just look at the top menu bar um, and you'll see work with us. And then there'll be a drop down menu and you can find the Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program. And if you've got any questions, feel free to email us at hello at runnershealthhub.com. And what we've done to really help you um, is that we've, we've, we're going to make a special offer so that you can uh, join the uh, program uh, whilst you also listen to the Milestone series. So we've got a special discount for code for you to use at the checkout and um, the code is RACE, R-A-C-E, and that will give you £200 off the full price. So you can have the whole programme for only £97. Um, that will be available for you um, during the Milestone series, and you can um, you know, have access to the programme for as, as long as you require. Excellent. Thanks very much, Aileen. So now let's take a look at various potential psychological hurdles that some runners might face. And I think that really the impact of psychological hurdles on training and race day success is greatly underestimated. And I'm just wondering, you know, how many of you have had a little voice in your head at some point recently during your long run saying, am I capable? Why am I doing this? oh my God, it is such a big leap from a half marathon to a full marathon. Or maybe it's my muscle ache. I'm so tired. I want to stop. If I don't do it, I'll be letting everybody down, even though you want to stop. And I'm bored. Also, that can come in when you're on these long runs that people can feel bored. And I know that at some point during my marathon training, I do generally have at least one of these thoughts or questions come into my head. And they can really impact on performance performance and also the enjoyment of the moment. So um, so those are just sub ideas of what you might be experiencing. And, and I think it's important to know that you're you're not alone in that, that a lot of runners, including myself, have gone through that or go through that still sometimes. 
So the question is, what can you do? Well, I think you can turn some of these negative thoughts into positive ones. So, for example, you could think, well, how how long? How wow? How far have I come? Um, you could also think about who would have thought that I was capable of running this far. I know that's always one that I did when that, when I was a beginner runner because it was a bit of a revelation to me that I could run at all. So when my miles started clocking up, it was a real. Um, shocked me and I used to every Saturday morning when I went out for my long run it was like it was almost like running a race every weekend and um, and also I think it's really important to tune into your big why you mentioned that earlier Karen and uh, remembering why you decided to embark upon a marathon event in the first place you know was it because it was a new race that you've never done before or is it a new distance were you doing it for achievement, all of those kind of things. And just remember that because when you made that decision, it was probably a really exciting decision to have made. So I think it's really good just to go back and remind yourself of that when you're in the the tough moments. Um, Another thing that can work for people is finding a mantra. It could be a quote, um, maybe said by a famous runner or an athlete, or maybe a line from a poem or your favorite book. But always remember that you use positive words when you're thinking of a mantra. So, you know, things like I am, I am completing this rather than um, I'm going to, I'm not going to stop. So the idea with that is the the brain, if you say not or won't or don't, the brain uh, registers a negative word and that might affect your mojo and performance. Yeah, and something that I do actually to help me stay positive and focused through the many miles of a long run is to break it down into small chunks. So, for example, I'll I'll break it down into 5K distances, so really the equivalent of a park run. And I find that this is really helpful for me um, towards the end of a longer run when I'm feeling really tired. You know, I'll picture my local park run route and think, Oh, that isn't too far. I can do that. And um, and that kind of really helps to motivate me. And I find actually that it can help me pick up my pace a little bit because I think, oh, that's just sort of where, where, where our local park run is. You'd go three times around the park because it's quite a small park. I think, well, it's just three times around that park. I, I, I can do that. So, um, so I find that really helpful. And the other thing I tend to do is break a, a long run down into landmarks that I know on the route that I'm doing. And I'll just focus on that particular landmark, so the next landmark, and not beyond that. And and I just find that psychologically that, that too can be really helpful for me because I'm not thinking about how far I've got to go overall. I'm just thinking, okay, so I'm going to make it to... I don't know, the park um, is a landmark for me and then certain ponds around the park are landmarks for me. So I'll just sort of break it down into those um, into those markers. So uh, that's a really good tip, both really good tips, Karen. I remember doing a training uh, run. I was on the Isle of Mull uh, on holiday and I was training over the summer, ready for a late summer race. And there wasn't any landmarks because there wasn't any buildings. I was going out and doing these runs. Um, uh, but for me it was things like you know um a cattle grid or something like that and as as the sort of the holiday went on I was really like hoping that the cattle wouldn't move because it was going to change my landmarks yeah 
Yeah, but it can be really helpful. And like you say, it doesn't have to be a building. It could just be a bench or a tree or something that you know is coming up on your own. Yeah. So the the other thing that you could consider doing is is thinking either about the local landmarks that you were talking about, Karen, or you could maybe um, picture in your head the famous landmarks on the London Marathon. So, for instance, when you know you're at mile three on your training run on the race, you're going to be at the Royal Artillery Barracks. Uh, and that that was the um, place that was used for rifle shooting in the 2012 Olympics. At mile six, you'll be at the Cutty Shark. And so that's an iconic landmark for everybody. And it was actually the fastest ship in its time. Um, at mile 12 and a half, uh, you're going to be at Tower Bridge and um, you'll be able to see the Tower of London. At mile 18 and a half, you'll be at Canary Wharf, and that's where you run beneath uh, One Canada Square, which is the second tallest building in London, um, the tallest being the Shard. Um, And you'll also see the iconic um, HSBC building. At mile 24, you might not get up to this in your training, but if you do, uh, you can imagine that you're running under the Blackfriars Bridge and along the embankment. Um, what you can do there is look back across the river to see the London Eye and you can also look out for the Houses of Parliament and Big Ben ahead of you and then of course at mile 26 uh, you'll see Buckingham Palace and you know that you're nearly at the end you've got 0.2 of a mile to go and you'll have done it both physically and psychologically so um, I think that's a great way of getting around your training as well. Yeah, yeah, those are really good ideas. And I have to say, Aileen, I do the little, I do like the little factoids that you put in there as well about the different landmarks. So uh, something else for people to think about as they see the landmarks or picture the landmarks when they're um, when they're doing their training. So a really great idea, um, because I also think that then on race day, as you as you're running and you reach a landmark, you can say to yourself, "Ah, oh, I'm here," or "I'm here already," and and you'll remember doing doing that in training and think, you know, I did that in training and it was okay mm-hmm. and feeling strong. So, um, and then once you pass that landmark, you then can go on and focus on the next landmark. So, yeah, a great way of breaking down the run, but um, also making sure that at the same time you look up and enjoy the wonderful sights around you. And I think it's easy to forget to do that. And I, I'm guilty of that. I'm so focused on my running and what's under my feet that when I'm doing a marathon in a in a in a new place, I I miss a lot of what is around me. So um and and this uh, this sort of idea um would be classed as a form of mental dissociation with your running. Now there is a bit of a debate on whether mental dissociation or mental association is a better technique for dealing with the aches and pains and hardness during distance running. So just explain that a bit more. Mental dissociation is classed as taking the mind away from the body and the discomfort through activities such as looking at um, iconic uh, landmarks around you or listening to music or a podcast um, or, or just a different focus so that you're going outside of the body. Whereas mental association, on the other hand, is about bringing the focus to the body and concentrating on, say, your posture or your breathing or maybe 
the working muscles. And it is thought that by focusing on, say, your posture or your breathing or how hard your muscles are working, it can bring a shift in any of these areas that leads to a different pace and mental attitude. So, for example, if it's your posture, you could ask yourself, am I slouching? Which can happen as you get closer to the end and you're feeling more tired. You could think, are my shoulders um, back? Are my arms relaxed? relaxed? And this can naturally lead to you running taller, relaxing more and changing your pace to one that potentially is lighter. And that in itself could be motivating. So these are just different ideas of um, of of dealing with the aches and the pains and the tiredness. I think these um, ideas are definitely worth a try um, when you're out on the long training runs. And and then you could trial both techniques and decide which one you prefer better or could even do both within a train. You know, you might feel the need for different things depending on where you are, you know, so using both would be a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point that it doesn't have to be in different runs. You can you can swap swap them within one run and just see which one works best for you. So Aileen, just thinking about that, how do you deal with the the mental hurdles of distance running? Um well, I think I probably have a few different strategies, but it's often about acknowledging um how I'm feeling. Um if I'm feeling tired, then I'm thinking, okay, what can I do? Um, It might be that I hear the voice of um, training coaches that I've worked with in the past. Um, They might be saying, uh, you know, one in particular, I can hear him now, Tony, he would be saying, remember your posture, look up, keep your arms moving. Um, Or perhaps I'll focus on what's around me, like you were saying earlier. So I might look around, look ahead, and maybe even focus on a, a runner or perhaps even pace myself next to a, another runner. That can be, I find that really helpful, actually, um, if I can just um, steady myself beside somebody. And, um, you know, if if um, I'm training on my own, um, I might look ahead and focus on a, a fixed object. You know, you were talking earlier about landmarks, but if there aren't any big landmarks, and I'm just trying to pace myself, it might be, a tree or a lamppost or a car. Um, I might be thinking, looking ahead and I might be thinking when I get, I'm, I'm just going to get to that red car or I'm just going to get to, you know, the sixth lamppost or something like that. And then when I pass that one, I think of the next one that I'm going to do. And, and the other thing that um, I use sort of mentally is I, one of my friends that I run with sometimes, Catherine, she's really good at running at a steady pace, um, much steadier than I am. And so I, I have a tendency to go a little bit faster and then have to drop back. Um, so when I'm in those situations, when I'm on my own, I just sort of think, imagine if you were with Catherine and then I think, okay, imagine you're in with Catherine, slow down, go steady. That just gives me an opportunity to recover a little bit. And then when I'm, I'm recovered, then I can maybe pick up the pace again. Um, so if I was to sum all of that up, what I would say is, acknowledge what's going on adjust your running in whatever way you need to do allow yourself to recover and then continue yeah I think that's a really good idea Elaine and from what you've been saying it sounds as though you do sort of flit in and out of the mental association and mental disassociation um potentially in 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 the same training run 
Yeah, without realising. That's what yeah. I was saying. There's yeah. a lot of talking to myself going on, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and uh, as long as it's positive talk and there aren't any negative words in there, that is a really good strategy. So well, and- problem solving on 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 route, isn't it? Really, it's thinking what can I do to get to the next thing, and the time passes, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. So thanks for sharing that. And just a few other strategies that might help um, people overcome any mental hurdles. Um, Just thinking about using a reward strategy. So for example, having coffee or lunch out afterwards or going shopping, whether it be something new for yourself or something new for your home. Um, And and focus on the reward maybe as you're running. And this is another strategy that I use frequently. And for me, it's usually my coffee. Um, And and, um, as a special treat, I might just stop at a coffee shop and enjoy the pleasure um, of someone making it for me after a, a long run and I'll maybe arrange to meet one of the children or my husband somewhere and, and that just keeps me going on the long run knowing that I'm going for a, a lovely coffee afterwards. Also, like I'm saying, looking up and taking in the sights around you and um, and this tends to be my mantra. Otherwise, I tend to, like I was saying earlier, I'll look at my feet and... Um, and, and, you know, that isn't good for my posture or my running style. And also I'm missing so much. So um, so that's what I would say. My, that is my mantra. Look up and take in the sights, Karen. Look up and take in the sights, Karen. So I do say that quite a lot. And also if you're getting bored um, with your running route, um Maybe maybe think about making your long run an event. Maybe think about traveling to somewhere new to run and then you can discover that local area. And um, and this is something that I'm just beginning to introduce myself because um, because I, I am getting a bit bored with what's around me and I want more hills so I can do more trail running. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to go out of town and just sort of find somewhere new and I just find that because it's interesting and it's new it's exciting and therefore that boredom doesn't set in so um so just a few more tips is there anything else that you would add here Aileen yeah I think it's a great idea to try try new routes and uh like you say travel somewhere it's just um it adds a little bit of interest doesn't it you were saying uh, but a couple of things that um, people might want to suggest um, if you're getting bored with your running route do it in reverse um, you know just do it a different way that can sometimes you can see different things and it can just add a little bit of interest or you know as you were saying discover a new local route find out where other people are doing their training because sometimes friends are running in places that you've not run before when I, I discovered during lockdown because we couldn't go out for long walks we were doing a lot of things locally and I found lots of places that I just mm. went to before which was great and it, it was interesting going for walks quite often we were saying oh this would be a good place to go for a run um so yeah. it's remembering those places and, and going back and trying them I suppose mm. uh, and, I, and also I think if you go away sometimes if you're away for a weekend and you go out for a run then you really don't know where you are um and it's okay you might get lost a little bit but it's okay you can backtrack and um, uh, get back to where you need to be um, and uh, you know you'll you'll just find somewhere different and last summer what also happened to me was I was recovering from plantar fasciitis and I was really doing short runs 
And uh, my trainer had me running in zigzag patterns to take my mind off my feet, um, which really worked, actually, because my feet were quite sore. And um, even just doing that for a minute as part of my run, you know, I, I, it would just break it up for me. It, um, it just made me laugh, actually, because I was running in zigzags. And I was like thinking, if people are watching me, they must be thinking, what on earth is she doing? Um, but having a little bit of an amusing uh, thought to myself past the time, too. Um, so you could think about doing that. Um, and also, if you are in the habit of running alone, uh, or, you know, you're a lone runner and you don't run with anybody else, then maybe um, finding a running, bu- running buddy would help. Um, you don't have to run together all the time, um, but you could maybe just meet up for the long runs. Um, and finally, I would just say, take each run one at a time and try not to project forward to the amount of miles you still have to achieve. I mean, obviously, you need to keep that goal in mind. But as you were saying earlier, Karen, it's all about being in the moment. So run in the moment, enjoy the moment, and remember your mantra, whatever you've chosen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Hopefully that's some helpful uh, tips for everybody. Um, so, Karen, I believe it or not, we we need to draw everything to an end today. Uh, but before we do that, um, could you give us uh, your key takeaways? Yeah, sure, Aileen. So I would just start by saying, as you progress with your training miles, remember that the amount of food you eat and the timing of the food that um, that you take on um, it, it is really important at this point, especially your carbohydrate intake. Eating pre, during and post your long run are equally important for running performance, for recovery um, from training and for minimising that risk of injury. And as the miles creep up, so does the potential for the physical physiological and psychological hurdles that you might have to overcome. Now, physiological hurdles that might might include illness, injury or fatigue. And some of the mental hurdles may include that lack of confidence and ability, boredom even when out running and, and that negative mental chatter that can come in. But these hurdles can be managed If physical hurdles are an issue, then consider following our five steps to recovery, which were the reduce, remove, support, return, increase. And if mental hurdles are what's plaguing your long runs, then consider using positive thinking strategies or finding a mantra that will support you. Or maybe you could think about that mental association or mental dissociation dissociation techniques um, that we spoke about to help see you through to the end but finally I would just say remember how far you've come and run in the moment and enjoy that moment like you said Aileen and that would be it. Thanks Karen that's been really helpful today and thanks for all those positive and motivating ideas and hopefully they're going to help everyone keep on track with their training in the next few weeks as well as keeping on track with their nutrition Um, and remember everyone don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to focus on your nutrition as a vital part of your London Marathon or Autumn Marathon race training plan. During this series, we hope to cover all the vital information you require to have a great race day. However, Karen and I would love to help you even more. 
And we've decided the best way to do that is to make you a special offer to join our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program. It's for runners of all abilities. We take you through a series of short videos and action steps to help you create a food plan to suit your training plan. The program includes downloadable menus, food lists, meal plans, and athlete plate diagrams for different training levels. But we think the real icing on the cake is that as part of the program, you're invited to our weekly coaching circle. So we have two short Zoom sessions every Thursday at 1pm and 7pm UK time. So you get an opportunity to speak to us in person, to ask questions and get our personal input into your runner's nutrition plan. We really want you to get the best results from this summer's training. So we're offering the program a very special price of only £97. The full price is 297 so that's £200 off the full price. That's less than £1 a day over 16 weeks and there's a multi-payment offer too. So we really hope that you don't miss out on this offer. If you'd like to join the program, please book via our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. Look at the Work With Us page and scroll down to Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners and use the coupon code RACE, that's R-A-C-E, to get the offer. We'd love to see you there and thanks again for listening. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies recommended as best leggings for running by women's fitness magazine we think they have everything a female runner needs first of all they are high compression to support your legs and bum they have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run there's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key they also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a gps tracking device and this is a unique safety feature all Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.